One more, one more round of applause. You know, when I was uh, in the ministry, there were several things we did with the Gideons. Uh, one of the things was, uh, some of you may not be aware of it, but with funerals, you can either give plants, which many of you do, or my wife and I, years and years ago, started giving Gideon's Bibles because I could keep them intact until y'all sent them there because I didn't touch them. A plant you sent my way, if it was green when it got to me, I would turn it brown by the time the funeral was there. And so that was not a good thing. Uh, so if you are, want to associate yourselves with the Gideons, that is one simple way. Another way uh, that with the Gideons, many, many years ago, we were able to get on school grounds. I know you all are on the schools, uh, several schools. But one of the things that I used to do in Bossier City, Bossier City hosts Barksdale Air Force Base. I was a ministry liaison uh, to Barksdale Air Force Base, and I hand out many a Gideon Testament that were provided for me. Uh, camouflage to getting New Testaments to the airmen and airwomen that would come for our Bible study. We'd have five or six hundred every week uh, come to our church. I was doing one particular Bible study, men's Bible study, uh, one Wednesday night, and I had about 40 or 50 men there, and when we all got through, and you know how men are, right? They say they don't talk. They talk. You get them by your, by themselves and they talk and they stayed after where we were in tables, uh, much like those round tables there, sitting around and, and had four. So it was about 20 minutes after the Bible study was over and there was one man sitting at a table all by himself. And I remember giving him, again, this New Testament and I walked over to him and introduced myself again. Uh, he was an airman from the Air Force Base and I asked him, uh, Something's wrong. Because one man sitting by himself and everybody leaves, something's wrong. And so he said, yes, there is. Can you meet for breakfast in the morning? I said, yes, I sure can. So long story short, I met him at breakfast the next morning. You never know what people are going through. What they have been through before they got there. He looked at me in the morning over breakfast and he said, you know, when... When war begins, my phone rings. It's the president of the United States. I'm to start the war. And I can't handle it. It was the Bible study that Gideon's New Testament is a reason still today, seven years later, I'm texting him every week and I've already heard back from him based on the Word of God. And so it's good. Any support you can help getting God's Word in the hands of people is a good way to support them. Uh, turn your Bibles with me to Psalm 46. I want you to turn to Psalm 46 because we are going to uh, examine Psalm 46 and look at it in a different way. That doesn't mean it's different in what you perhaps looked at before. But in seminary, uh, that's, oh, I'm sorry. Seminary. I had this one guy, New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, Dr. Samples, who made us the first day. I had him for five classes. But we had to memorize the same three dates over and over. 
722, 605, and 586. 722 is the Assyrian uh, captivity. 586 is when Jerusalem fell, the Babylonian captivity, and somewhere in there, he always made us in Old Testament remember those dates. Uh, I saw, as several weeks ago, I've got a library upstairs, and, and I was going through the library and going through several books, and one of them was a survey of the Old Testament. He had actually given me that book, and he signed that book, and the bottom is a scripture passage I, sh- I, I need to use all the time. Second Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God. Many times we don't study that we see the scriptures, but we don't study to show yourself a workman that is rightly dividing the word of truth, who's not ashamed of God's word. And that's what Psalm 46 is all about. Uh, I titled it Our Fortress because that's what we hear about so many times. We hear uh, that God is our fortress. We heard it this morning. And, and yes, there were, I, I have to tell you, there were tears in my eyes with Psalm 46. The song that was just done by the praise team. Uh, because there's so much truth in that song. In that song. And the way it was begun, even in the Psalm 46 method, the mannerisms that we know that Psalm 46 exists for. But we usually see it in the wrong way. We usually walk into Michael's or Walmart even, Hobby Lobby, and see it plastered all over uh, in some kind of painting or some kind of artwork. And we buy it sometimes for $19.99 or whatever it is, and we put it on the walls of our house. What does that say? Psalm 46.10. What does it say? Be still and know that I am God. Well, that's not all that psalm says. Psalm 46.10, what is it in its entirety? Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. God is going to be exalted whether you and I choose to exalt Him or not. He will be exalted. So what that sign should say is Psalm 46a. Because Psalm 46a and b says God will be exalted. Now what Psalm 46 is actually about is the preparation that King Hezekiah, who was the king of Jerusalem, made. That's one of the dates that we had to learn. To prepare Jerusalem, the city of God, for King Sennacherib of the Assyrians because the Assyrians began to take captivity. This took place about 701. So uh, basically, you could subtitle that the preparation period. Now, I'm not talking to preppers like today. Many of you may be preppers, and that's good. I talked to a guy in Louisiana. He built a house, uh, he, and below the garage he built deep inside the concrete stuff for him to store all his corn and his beans and his rice and all this ammunition and all this stuff and i'm going you built that in your house he said yes i'm a prepper i said yeah you sure are and I, how often you change those beans oh i hadn't thought about that oh i'm not going to eat his old beans all right that's the way it is i'm talking about the preparation that king hezekiah made in psalm 46 that we don't hear about that story 
with the feel-good, Psalm 4610, when we walk in Hobby Lobby, and we see, be still and know that I am God. It's much like in the first service, I was talking about teachers, and I know that school is about to take place. How many teachers we got out here? Very, very many uh, former teachers. How many students do we have? <laughs> There's students who may, mm, I don't know if I'm going to raise my hand or not. Uh, they're going back to school whether you like it or not. In fact, your parents probably like it a whole lot better than you do. They, mm, get this kid out of my house or whatever the case might be. We have kids that are happy to go to school. They're happy to get out of mom and dad's house. We don't ever know where they're coming from. Last week I was able to eat a meal right after the service, and it was real good because I left the service and went to camp with 680. And that food, it was camp food. Not quite as desirable as the food that I had here uh, last Sunday afternoon. But it was camp food. But you don't ever know where those kids are coming from. That's why Psalm 46 is written. We don't know what we're about to get into. So King Hezekiah made some preparations. It reminds me of teaching uh, the first day of school in, in uh, years and years ago. I was a second-year teacher, and I moved from Louisiana to, to Texas, and I was walking down the, the hallway on the first day of school, passing independent school to South Houston Area School. I was headed for sixth-grade math class. I had all my books together. And I'm walking down the hall, 745, to meet class at 8 o'clock, and the counselor comes out of the office. Coach T, Coach T. I said, hey, how you doing? I'm headed to my classroom right now. I'm going to be early. I looked at my, I'm going to be early. And she said, oh, no. You're not going to teach sixth grade math. Yes, I am. I have the books right here. <laughs> uh, no, you're not. You're going to teach Texas history. I went, Ma'am, you know, I just moved from Louisiana. I had not even got my Texas certification. I don't know anything about Texas history except remember the what? Alamo. That's all I knew. That's all I knew. And she said, doesn't matter. You're going to teach it anyway. And she gave me my Texas history books. And I had not even cracked a Texas history book. And I had a class in uh, 10 minutes by then. An 8th grade class. Not a 6th grade math class. An 8th grade class. 8th graders, you know... Acres know everything. You may not know that, but they do. They know everything. They, and they'll be happy to tell you that. So I walked in, I put my books down on the podium. I said, I am Coach T. You don't know me? I'm new here. I just moved from Louisiana. I don't know a thing about Texas history. <laughs> and I know I'm your teacher. And we're going to learn together. And we had the best class. We did uh, mock-up battles and all kinds of things. And that's what Psalm 46 is about. Battles and wars and preparation. You see, the, the story of Psalm 46 is not actually found in Psalm 46. Turn in your Bibles. I know you just turned to Psalm 46. We'll get back to it. I promise. Psalm 36. Uh, Isaiah 36 and 37. Beginning with, with 37. 
37, Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers. Hezekiah, the king of Jerusalem, Psalm 30, uh, Isaiah 37. Hezekiah received the letter, verse 14, read it, and Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, enthroned upon above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see and hear all the words of Sennacherib, the king of the Assyrians, which he has sent to mock you, the living God, truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste all the nation and their lands. And that's what they had done. They had taken the land captivity except for Jerusalem. Isaiah is recording this in the scripture. This all happened around 701 B.C., which is when Psalm 46 was written a little bit after that because Psalm 46 says to the choir master, to people like, uh, like Alan. Who would be in charge of choirs? And if you can speak, you can sing. So be in your choir next, starting next week. All right. But anyway, that's a, there's a side, a side commercial. I didn't get paid extra for that or anything. You can pay me later though, Alan. That's fine with that. All right. So to the choir master, the sons of Kor, the sons of Kor were in captivity, Assyrian captivity by King Sennacherib. They wrote this song. Of Alamoth, according to Alamoth. Alamoth could be a person, it could be an instrument. We don't know what Alamoth is. But we know that it's a song. It's the same kind of song that Martin Luther later would pin the words to a mighty fortress is our God, because this was Martin Luther's favorite song. And what do you think Kathy Duke played? Before she knew my sermon time, before she knew I was doing Psalm 46, she played Martin Luther's song about God being a fortress. A mighty bulwark. What, what is a bulwark? A mighty bulwark. Oh, God is a mighty fortress. That's what Psalm 46 is actually about. Yes, so it's to the, to the choir master, the sons of Korah. It's a song, a song that you and I need to learn. It's not just a scripture passage we see in artwork on walls. We don't necessarily uh, approve all of us of that because in, in cemetery, I said it again, uh, cemetery is that place where usually you're dead if you go there. And seminary is a place that they try and kill you. All right? So I only know that because I've been to two of them, and they both tried to kill me both times. Uh, So that is where. But they would always say, every professor I ever had would always say, if you misquote a scripture passage, you missed it. So anything I wrote in both my master's and my Ph.D. work, I had to write it exactly 
as the scripture said. And if there was any, any test that he gave, examination that he gave, I had to write that script. I would tell him what version I was quoting from. And sometimes they would want the King James. Sometimes they would want New American Standard. Sometimes they would English Standard. And sometimes New International Version. All of them. But we had to learn it exactly the way. Because if we misquoted it, we missed it. And that's what I see when I walk in to Hobby Lobby and I see Psalm 4610. I see a missed Bible verse. I could not have used that unless I said 46A. 4610A. Be still and know that I am God. Because B says, I will be exalted in the nations. I will be exalted among the whole earth. Whether, what it doesn't say is whether you do or not and whether I do or not. But I got ahead of myself. Let's go back to King Sennacherib, who was taking all of Jerusalem. He thought he would, because he took all the other cities. And he took the Israelites into captivity. And so he sent 185,000. If we still look at Isaiah chapter 37, we know that Hezekiah's prayer is about Sennacherib. And then we know, we know what he said. What Hezekiah of Jerusalem, the king of Jerusalem, said in verse 28, I know you're sitting down, this is from God, and you're going out and coming in, and you're raging against me. It doesn't matter who you think you are. God knows what you're doing. Boy, that's a scary thought, isn't it? Does it have to be scary? God knows us. That well, He saves us. He gives us grace by which we are saved through His Son, Jesus Christ. He knows us. I know you're going forth. I know all about you. So move on down to verse 33. And then we hear what Psalm 46 is actually about. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria. He shall not come into this city or shoot an arrow there. I come before it with a shield or cast a besieged mound against it. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return. He shall not come into the city, talking about Jerusalem. He already had come into many cities in Israel and taken them captive. Hundreds, a couple hundred thousand Israelites. He had besieged their cities and so... God says, by the way that he came, by the same he shall return. He shall not come into this city, declares the Lord, for I will defend this city to save it. For my own sake and for the sake of my servant David, an angel of the Lord. This is really weird. The angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when people arose early in the morning, behold... These were all dead bodies. Then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and returned home and lived in Nineveh. That is what Psalm 46 is about. Why didn't the psalmist, why didn't the sons of Korah say this? What They didn't have Isaiah. Jesus had the Old Testament. 
But the sons of Korah were writing from their experience in captivity. And so after their captivity ended, they realized what happened. And they said, we need to write. We need to encourage people because Psalm 46 was in our blood. It was a part of us. And so we need to write it. And so what did they say? They said all this, uh, yes, to the choir master. Yes. Of the sons of Korah, yes, according to Alamoth, yes, a song. But God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, the mountains be moved to the heart of sea, which we just sang about. Those waters roar in foam. Though the mountains tremble. And his presence, Selah. Why Selah? Pause. Think about what you just heard. There's only three in the entire psalm. And we need to pause and think about Psalm 46. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. If we want to rightly divide this word of truth, we need to understand it. We don't need to buy the stuff from Walmart and Hobby Lobby and Michaels and put it on the walls and think that, oh, when people walk in our house, they're going to think we're holy. Who cares? You can't get them in heaven. You can't take them with you. Uh, the old saying is, there's never a trailer on the end of a hearse. There is not. And I've been to many funerals and conducted many funerals. I never have seen a trailer. So the psalmist goes on, the sons of Korah go on and say, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. We know it's the city of God. The holy habitation of the Most High. And God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. 185,000? It's nothing for God. Because in one day, I can snuff them out. And the people got up. There's used to be soldiers out there. <laughs> well, there was 185,000 yesterday, last night when we went to bed. What happened to them? They're all like dead men on the ground. Oh, we don't know what happened. I've got a minor in science. I've looked this up. I don't know. Biology. I, I don't. I don't know. If there was disease, if there was pestilence, I don't. I don't know how God struck them down. Just like that. I just know the Bible is true. Every word of it. And the sons of Korah in captivity wrote Psalm 40. It says that. The Bible says that. And I know the historical books about the Jews, the Israelites, will tell us one thing. The Bible tells us the same thing happened around 700 B.C. That is why 722 was a date because that's when King Sennacherib began his siege in Israel. And he went up to Jerusalem to take it. But King Hezekiah knew that Sennacherib was coming a couple of years before that because it had taken him 20 years to get there, to get to Jerusalem. And so what King Hezekiah did was he went and dug tunnels of water from the rivers outside Jerusalem because there is not a river inside Jerusalem. 
Oh, there's a river whose streams ain't glad. The Bible says that. There will be. On Jesus Christ's millennial reign, it says there will be a river in the middle of the holy city of God. But right now, there's not one. So King Hezekiah dug aqueducts from the rivers outside of Jerusalem. And he walled up the rivers and dug those aqueducts so that they would have water because they knew Jerusalem as a walled city would stand against Sennacherib. Even though several hundred thousand in 26 or so cities had already fallen to Sennacherib and the Syrians. There is a river whose streams are glad, the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. God will help her when morning dawns. She shall, Jerusalem, shall not be moved. Sennacherib departed from Jerusalem after the 185,000 left, and he went the same way he came, which is what Isaiah tells us. There is a river. There will be a river. So come. Come. Behold the works of the Lord. Oh, we think they're real good. But he's brought desolations on the earth. The psalmist says. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. Oh, how does he do this? The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Why do we call this a fortress? It's not Martin Luther wrote a mighty fortress is our God. He is. It's not that it's his favorite home. It is. It's not that it's, it's his favorite song. It is. But it's more that God provided through King Hezekiah things that the Jerusalemites, or whatever you call them, would need when King Sennacherib of Assyria came calling because God is in the midst of her. She shall not, Jerusalem shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns, even if 185,000 need to be dead. God can do that. God takes your enemies and mine, wipes them out. Troubles that we thought we had one day, we wake up the next morning. My wife is, is crazy, and she will say, talk to me in the morning. I, I'm Men, I'm the talker. I want to get it out. What, what's wrong? What's wrong? Oh, let me, let me talk to you tomorrow. Oh, no, no, talk to me right now. I don't want to talk right now. I want to know. It doesn't matter. Let me sleep on it. <laughs> I don't want you to sleep on it. <laughs> we want to know. We want to know what God did. I don't care. The Bible says it. And because the Bible says it, I believe it. But it really doesn't matter that I believe. Because God then says, he makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow, shatters the spear, burns the chariots with fire. Why those three things? Why not something else? Why, why not talk about the armor that they wore? He breaks the bow. 
the bow, if you go into all the battles of the world in all of history, the bow has been the number one weapon save the nuclear devices that we have. The President of the United States will not put in action. The bow has been the biggest game changer of all. Because it's long range. You can shoot a bow a long ways. I've been with people that shot it 100, 200 yards, and they hit a man-sized target every time. I wouldn't think of that. Uh, 60 yards is a really good shot for me at at a deer. And uh, I love to bow hunt. And I've had them made for me in compound bows and in recurve or or long bows, uh, the old kind that I love to hunt with. He breaks it. God breaks it, shatters the spear. Well, I can throw a spear. I can't throw a shattered spear. He burns the chariots with fire. If we look at America, we gauge our armies by how many tanks we have, how many planes we have, how many ships we have. In that day and age, they gauged their armies, the strength of their armies, by how many chariots they had. It doesn't matter because God's going to burn them with fire. The Lord of hosts is with us. Who is the Lord of hosts? The scripture tells us, Hebrew tells us, it's it's the God of angel armies, which we've already sung about as well. Jehovah Sabiod. That is the God, the Lord of hosts. It's, It's that God. He's with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Why the God of Jacob? That's the grace that you and I have. The God of Jacob. Jacob is not a name that that we necessarily revere. We put him up in signs. and No, we don't. Because Jacob was a deceiver. Jacob needed God's grace. And 11 or 12 times, the God of Jacob is mentioned in the Psalms. Many more times, 22 times or so in the Old Testament. The God of Jacob. Why the God of Jacob? Why not the God of Abraham? Why not the God of, of all these people that we could think about? The God of Peter. The God of Paul. The God. Why is it the God of Jacob will be our fortress? It shows the grace that we have. The grace that you have. The grace that I have. God extended it to Jacob, and the God of Jacob who needed God's grace will be our God if you and I call upon him. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So be still and know that I am God. Because whether you're still or not, God will still be exalted. In the nations, God will still be exalted in the earth, even if he has to kill 185,000 in the morning when God is good. Israelites, the Jews, will see 185,000 dead. The sons of Korah will write about it later because the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is the place we run to, a fortress where nobody can get in, and Sennacherib could not get in Jerusalem. Now, do we just have it from the Scripture? Let me read you one thing real quick. Back to the Psalms. You've already heard it. Sennacherib in his own journal said this. As for Hezekiah, you won't find this in Scripture. You'll find it in the history books. But here's what he wrote. As for Hezekiah, the Judean, 46 of his strong-walled cities, I besieged 
and captured. Him, Hezekiah, like a caged bird in Jerusalem, I shut up. That is language in the Old Testament times that means we lost. I I tried to go up against Jerusalem, but Hezekiah had made preparations. I could not take the city. I lost. Snacker was later killed. The Assyrian captivity uh, didn't last much longer. The Babylonian captivity, yes, Jerusalem was uh, burned later on in the Old Testament, but not then, because Hezekiah, the king, had made preparations. I hope that you have made preparations. I hope that you realize God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Though, though we have no reason to fear, even though the mountains tremble and the waters were in foam, we have no need to fear because God is with us and God will help you, you and me when the morning dawns. doesn't matter what's going on in the world. doesn't matter how big you think your army is. I don't know what, in fact, uh, psychologically, financially, or you're going through at the time. But God can be your fortress because Psalm 46 tells us He is. Be still and know that I am God. Well, that sounds real good. Exactly a wartime, a wartime message to us the NIV I think says quit your fighting and know that I am God God will fight with you and for you you don't need to do anything you just need to rest in him because there is a city whose dream uh, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God and one day one day Though there is a foundation of Psalm 46, one day Jesus will come back and he will reign again. And there will be a coronation of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And it is he who is your fortress that you today run into. I hope that you recognize and realize that Psalm 46 is for you and for me, for all of our problems. All the things that we have going on. Maybe not going on right now. Just wait a minute. This one uh, man said, a blade mess is coming to your doorway. So either this came through one, you're in a time of rest, you're about to go through one. Main Street Baptist Church, uh, some of you think you're in the middle of one right now because you don't have a pastor. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her. You just need to sleep on it. When the morning comes, God's going to be your help and your strength. He will be exalted, whether you do or not. God will be exalted. He is your fortress. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being with us. Thank you for Psalm 46, the history behind that, but also, Lord... Help us to know that you are God. 
You are God alone. And you indeed will be our protector, our provider. And you will be our water that we need. You will be our bread that we need. Your living water, living bread. You will be our fortress. A place where we can run. When the world seems to be against us, you are always there. If there's anyone here who does not know Jesus as their Savior, then I pray today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that they come up after the service, perhaps to a, a staff member and say, I, I, I'm going through all kinds of problems. I don't know this Jesus. I don't know this fortress. I pray today can be the day that they come to a saving knowledge of who you are. God, I thank you for being our fortress. I thank you for being our deliverer. I thank you for being our refuge and strength, a present, present. That means you're always there. Help for us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name and for his sake, we pray.